Good morning, Bridge. It's awesome to be with you guys. Good morning, Columbia campus. I love you guys so much. Thank you all for being here. Uh, if you are new with us, my name is Brandon, and I'm one of the elders here. And uh, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28 uh, this morning. Matthew chapter 28. Now, one quick note before we get started. Um, in both campuses here, we just had a sweet time of, of giving toward our No More Fatherless offering. Uh, and if you're uh, someone that watches online and you want to participate uh, in this mission, if you want to give towards eliminating uh, physical and spiritual fatherlessness, then you can just go to nomorefatherless.com and you can give towards that initiative there. Uh, now, again, if you're new with us or if you weren't here last week, uh, we said goodbye to our pastor of 10 years last Sunday. Uh, God has called him to an awesome ministry in Dallas. And uh, so this is, a, this is a significant week in the life of our church. And interestingly, we've decided to continue in our Christmas series even on this week because as God would have it, a while back when we were planning for this Sunday, the theme that we picked in this series was Go Tell It on the Mountain. Now, I'm actually not going to reference that song anymore after this service or after this sermon or even this moment, but the theme of talking about the mission of Jesus is absolutely perfect for the day, and the text that, that, that goes with that is exactly what we need for this moment in our church. So we're going to be discussing today looking at remembering the mission that Jesus left us as his church in this world, Okay. First, I want us to pick up where we left off last week. <laughs> so this is Pastor Josh and Pastor Josh the Chicken. So Josh is one of my best friends. And uh, Josh leaving to go to Dallas has caused me to ask some questions about my life. I've had to wrestle with some realities in light of his departure. And I'm going to share some of those significant questions with you. First... I've had to ask the question, am I still going to read fiction books about dragons, mystical swords, and complex magic systems? It's a real question. The reason I have to ask it is I'm not going to say any of the titles that he and I read and discussed together, but we read these books together. But I will show you a picture from one of them. This is real. Who is this you are not asking? That is... Rand Althor, a.k.a. the Dragon Reborn, a.k.a. the Caramore, a.k.a. the Shadow Killer, a.k.a. the King of Ilion, a.k.a. he who comes with the dawn, a.k.a. Sam Featherstone, the <laughs> campus pastor of our Columbia campus. No, but if, if, Sam Featherstone, if Sam Featherstone was a fantasy fiction character, that's who it would be. And I've had to ask myself, am I still going to read these books with Josh leaving? I've also had to ask myself this question. Am I still going to let other parents care for my children at Harvey Park? <laughs> See, Josh and I had, for a long time, a, a Saturday morning tradition of taking our, our little girls to Dunkin' Donuts and Harvey Park. And we both have the opposite park care strategy than our wives have, which means we just sat on a bench and talked while they ran around on their own. And more than once, one of them would be crying or stuck on a slide or something like that, and some kind stranger parent was loving them and helping them because we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so I have to ask myself, with Josh leaving, am I still going to participate in the team parenting available at Harvey Park? 
Here's one more. Am I still going to eat 4,000 calories at a time at Oscar's Taco Shop? These are important questions, church. So Oscar's is the most likely place that we would go on a double date with our wives. They're leaving. I have to ask myself, does my future have Oscar's carne asada in it? Church, I want to take this moment right now in front of all of you to emphatically declare that the answer to these questions is yes. Reading magic books is my only hobby. I'm going to continue in that mission. As long as one parent is available to look after my girls, I'm going to keep showing up at Harvey Park. And brothers and sisters... Until I die or until Jesus returns in glory, I am going to regularly and happily partake in the wonder of Oscar's Taco Shop. I'm preaching. So my friend Josh is leaving, but I'm moving forward, and my answer is yes. And here's my point. Our pastor, Josh, is moving. And there is one question that we have to answer together. One, that we're all in the same boat on this. There's one question that we must address today, and the question is this. Are we still going to accomplish the mission of the church? Yes, Yes, we are. You answered it before I even let you. Listen. Are we still going to accomplish the mission that Jesus left for us? Are we still going to be the church that we hope we are? Are we going to be the church that Jesus needs the world to experience? And the answer is yes. If you were here last week, then you know this is not a church poised to do nothing. We have been given a sweet and serious calling from God. And God in his wisdom made it so that today we get to reflect on that mission together yet again. And we're going to ask ourselves, are we going to say yes? And so what we're going to do is we're going to read some of those famous verses about the church in the Bible. Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 to be reminded of our mission and to focus on who we are really about. Okay? Let's read. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the mission. Our answer is yes. And I want us to see and remember three things that will help us with our yes. Three things to help us throw our lives toward this mission that God has given his church. And here's the first thing that we're going to remember together this morning. Number one, the message of our mission is Jesus. The message of our mission is Jesus. The text said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them. Now, we're going to spend most of our time in point two, but we get to start first by remembering the beautiful basics. So the first thing that we see is that we're to make disciples of Jesus Christ and baptize people into the life of Jesus. 
So simple to see, but it can be so easy for us to not do it. It can be so easy for us to give ourselves to other messages, but Jesus is our message. Sharing the hope of Jesus is what we are to be about. And just if we just, just starting with the word baptizing reminds us of that. Because baptism is a full picture of the gospel. The actual purpose of baptism that he references here is to remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what actually happens in the message of Jesus. Paul says this to us in Colossians 3. I'm going to read this to you. This is how Paul describes the work that baptism is referring to, which is the message of Christ. He says, having been buried with Jesus in baptism, we also are raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, us and all over the world, who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all the trespasses. The message that we have to share is that the whole world is full of broken people who need Jesus. We are all sinners. We are all trespassers. As that verse says, I am not good enough to be friends with God. You are not good enough to be in the presence of God. We were made, literally made for life and joy with God, but we're sinners and we broke it. But the message of the gospel is that Jesus takes our sin and Jesus died our death. We are buried in that death, losing our sin, only gaining the life. Language that we've used for years at the bridge is that everyone is so broken that Jesus had to die for them, but so loved that Jesus was willing to die for them. That is our message. To use the words of Paul again, he says, we have been buried with him and raised through him by the power of God. So Jesus says we help people come to Christ, be baptized, make disciples. Jesus wants to heal our messages. Jesus saves. So give him your life. That's so simple. That is the message. Jesus saves. Give him your life. And watch, church, any other message doesn't work. All of our messages must drive all the way to that message. For example, our message can't be we are a welcoming church. Our staff, our volunteers, we talk about this all the time. We want to be a church that makes people feel like they are welcomed home. It matters. It is so important. Uh, Chris Holloman, I believe he high-fives people closer to Jesus. He loves us. Sean Allen, his hugability is off the charts. He's a former police officer. He hugs people like they're resisting arrest. <laughs> it's so enveloping. But listen, a Sean hug is not the message. Welcome home is not the message. Our message is welcome home, but it's not because we are welcoming people. It's because Jesus has welcomed us. Jesus died to welcome us into life. He died to welcome us into his family. So as people who have experienced that, we carry with us the welcome home of Jesus. But it has to get all the way to the gospel. It has to. Our message can't be we're getting a new building. You might have noticed the dirt outside and the machines. We're excited to see a new building go up, but our message is not we like building. Our message is not even we give sacrificially. And we're giving sacrificially to see this building go up, but the message isn't the building. The message is the gospel that will be shared in the building. Our message is not building, it's Jesus. Uh, Bridge, our message can't even be 
we adopt children. Without question, the single most unique thing about our church is the adoption and fostering culture here. There are literally over 100 adopted and foster children in our church. They're everywhere. It's almost overwhelming. Uh, every time I see Kevin, one of, our, one of our other elders, I wonder how many kids he has. Uh, he and his wife adopt so frequently, I never know how many people live in their house. Somehow I have an earless Chinese daughter. How does that happen? This, this, what happens here is amazing, but it can't be our message. Our message is not orphans. Our message is not we are for orphans. Our message is we were orphans. And Jesus adopted us. Jesus founded us. We are adopted by God through Jesus Christ. We have been brought in and given a family and a future and a hope. And we don't bring broken children into our families because we're good parents. We do it because we have a good God. And we have to get all the way to him. He is the message. Amen. Hmm. Very simply, Jesus saves. All of our messages point to that. Jesus' mission for us is to help people be saved, baptized, and discipled into life in him, and we say yes. The message of our mission is Jesus. Here's number two. The master of our mission is Jesus. Let's read a couple of these verses again. Check this out. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And then if you skip down, he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus is the master. As we go about his mission, we are also to say yes to teaching people to follow his commands. And are we going to do that? Not as many yeses, right? It's possible we don't love the sound of that. Sometimes Jesus saves sounds better than Jesus commands. But I want us to see that he is the master and his commands are amazing. Following them and teaching them is crucial to our mission. So first, let's think about the fact that Jesus' commanding is logical. Jesus giving commands for us to follow just makes sense if we understand who he is. Verse 18 said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Some translations say all power has been given. Some translations say all dominion. But either way, the point is Jesus is the boss. Jesus not only saved the world, he made the world. He created it out of nothing, and he has all the authority. And I want us to see what that authority looks like in a a practical way. Uh, If we go to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to see Jesus' dominion in two back-to-back events that is simply incredible and breathtaking. Check this out. This is Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. It says, And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed with him. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Authority. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? You want to know what authority looks like? 
rebuking a typhoon. Jesus said, storm, shut up. And there wasn't just a calm, there was a great calm. Don't you want just 1% of Jesus' power over nature? Even if just so that you could say, puppy, potty outside. (laughs) Or you could say, cat, move to another house. That was a joke. But listen, if you think it's weird that Jesus gives commands, you don't understand who he is. Storms obey him. He's the master of everything. And in the very next verse, he shows his authority in another way. Check this out. It's the very next verse. And when he came to the other side of that same water, when he came to the other side to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come here to torment us before time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away to the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. So these stories are back to back. And here, because of the supernatural demonic powers, regular people could not even pass by these men. But then Jesus shows up, and the demons immediately assume that he's here to destroy them. There's clearly no doubt in their mind that he can and will destroy them. And they say, could you just send us into the pigs? And Jesus, all he commands is go. That's it. And with one word, Jesus dominates the enemy. So demons obey the commands of Jesus. Storms obey the commands of Jesus. We are to obey the commands of Jesus and teach others to obey the commands of Jesus. It's his right. But I want you to think about the fact that Jesus' authority isn't just logical. It's loving. Jesus' commands are good. And to help us with this, I want to teach you a new word, okay? So Jesus said in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Observe, okay? So the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and then it was translated into English, Spanish, whatever else. I want us to learn the Greek word for observe because I hope that will help us have a new perspective, a happy perspective on the commands of God. The word for observe here in the Greek is the word tereo. Good work. It lit, tereo literally means to guard or to hold fast. We are to tereo the commands of God. We are to hold on to, to cling to the commands of Jesus. Why would that be? Well, to help, I want to show you a picture of what tereo looks like. This is my youngest daughter and her hamster named Poe. I want to point out a couple of things about this. So you see what Tereo means. Notice the grip (laughs) and notice the smile. That is what Tereo looks like. She is joyfully guarding her hamster Poe. She's holding fast 
She doesn't want to lose her hamster because for some reason, this hamster makes her happy. Not me. But Poe the hamster is her favorite thing, so she tereos it. She guards it. She holds onto it with joy, right? And this is a diagnostic question for your heart. Watch this. Do we want the commands of God? Do we push against the commands of Jesus or do we hold fast to them? Because listen, if we understand that Jesus' mastery is not only logical but loving, it changes the way we think about obedience. Guys, the master of the universe doesn't just demand things from you. He died for you. Right? If we deeply understand that he was tortured and killed for us, how could we ever think that his commands are going to be bad for us? Doesn't make sense. He took our misery on the cross himself. So we know without a shadow of a doubt that misery is something he never wants us to have. He doesn't want that for us. He wants us to have life. He wants us to thrive. And so we know by default that his commands must be leading toward that purpose. They are not a burden. They are a beautiful blessing. We're to be people who say, please, Jesus, tell me what to do. You love me to the death, and you're the master of all. I want to tereo your commands. I want to cling to them like a little child holds to the hamster. We tereo the commands of God. We cling to them with hope. You know, I got a, a message from someone in our church this, this week who was a few weeks into breaking free from pornography. And he asked me to pray that he would have healing and strength. And that is the spirit of Tereo. That is, a, that is a guy saying, I want to follow your commands, Jesus, because they are life to me. God, let me follow your commands and, and be free from the things that are crushing me and enter into life and joy. That's what God wants for us, and that's what God wants for the people we tell about him. He has all the dominion, but he uses that dominion for our delight. He is the master, but he uses his power to give mercy. Everyone needs to know that. Even the rules are good. So Jesus is the master of the mission. He is the message. He is the master. And lastly, he is the motivation. The motivation for our mission is Jesus. Let's read this very last sentence that he gave us again. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So good. Guys, the presence of Jesus is what moves us to our mission. He is with us always. What an incredible, seemingly impossible promise. I want to finish by noticing two crazy things about that statement. First of all, there's the, there's the always. Jesus says, I'm with you always. Nobody can ever say always about anything. You say, your mom says, I love you always. Maybe. 
Maybe your mom loves you your whole life or her whole life, but your mom's not even going to be alive always. Our moms can't love us always. They can't be with us always. Uh, Some of us joke around here that Pastor Pastor Craig McCown always looks good in a hat. That may be as true as anything on earth can be. But he can't always look good in a hat. He can't even always wear a hat. There is no such thing as always for us. Sometimes I tell people, you know, hey, I'm praying for you all the time. If I say that, I'm a liar. No one can pray for us always. No one can love us always. No one can be with us always except Jesus. The one who can be with us always is with us always. He is the master of time and space and life and love. He's the only one who can say it, and he says it. We move out into our mission knowing we can never be separated from the one who loves us. But that may not even be the craziest thing about that sentence. Even more amazing than the fact that he says he is with us always is the fact that he can say he is with us at all. It's insane and incredible that he is even alive, right? Because remember what he was doing just one chapter before in Matthew. He was dying on a cross, right? He died. He took our sin He took our punishment. His heart stopped pumping blood. His lungs stopped sucking air. He gave up his spirit. He was wrapped like a mummy. He was buried in a mountain behind a boulder. And then he says, I am with you always. Come on now. If there's one person I want with me, it's the one who can be dead for three days until he wasn't anymore. He's got something I want. He's got a power I don't have. Death didn't stick to Jesus. Sin didn't win with Jesus. He has the dominion, and we see it if we back up just a few verses in this very chapter. Let me read this to your hearts as we finish the day. But the angel said of the one who is with us always, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. The one who loved us enough to die for us is with us. He is with us always. How could we not share a story like that? His death for us melts our hearts every week, moving us to share his message. His power with us makes us bold to share his message. Guys, 
my friend Josh is gone. We're waiting for a new pastor. But Jesus is with us always. Jesus is with us. And our answer is yes. Thank you, Lord. We share him. We obey him. We love him. And let's worship him as we finish this service and commit to that together again. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, you are more than enough. There are no words for me to pray right now to measure up to how powerful you are. You have all the power. You have all the authority. And yet somehow you look at us sitting in these brown chairs here and sitting in this school in Columbia and you love us. You love us to the grave and beyond forever. God, would you let us be a people who are so transformed by your goodness that we share your love everywhere. Would you let our yes be a yes of joy? Make us the church that you want for our city, that you want for each other, and that you want for the world. And we ask that in the unparalleled power of the name of Jesus. Amen.